Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. It's Kincaid and Breckenridge, News Talk 770, our highlights podcast. A lot of conversation today about alternative medicine, a tragic case out of southern Alberta, and a trial that's continuing this week. But we spoke with a former naturopath. He's got a lot of concerns about the practice of naturopathy and, and how governments need to respond. And then we took a lot of phone calls uh, on our open line segment following that. You can listen to Kincaid and Breckenridge weekday mornings on News Talk 770 and NewsTalk 770.com from 930 to 1230. Yeah, welcome back. I'm Roger. That's Rob. Uh, both kind of in disarray, I think, perhaps, about this next uh, topic that uh, we're going to be discussing. And I want to uh, point out as well that at 10.30, we're going to open up the phone lines on this matter to get your reaction to it as well. Um, sharing this story, it's, it's a tragedy, certainly, and it's uh, Alberta-wide. So 974-8255, uh, after 10.30, we'll open up the phone lines. And um, you can text us as well at 770-770. Uh, well, a lot of attention uh, being paid, not just here in Alberta, but across the country, even getting international attention. The Southern Alberta couple on trial charged with failing to provide the necessities of life and the, the tragic death uh, of their young son and sort of shining a spotlight on the so-called alternative health as uh, the, these parents apparently pursued uh, alternative medicine rather than, than get the, the child the, the medical attention he seemed to need. Uh, Britt Marie Hermes is, in fact, a former naturopathic doctor and, and natural health expert, uh, currently a Master of Science student in, in biomedicine, and now speaks out against this kind of so-called alternative medicine. Britt, thanks for joining us here. My pleasure. Now, I know you've been following this case, and uh, we don't need to get into the, the specifics of it, but it seems like the, the kind of tragic thing maybe we, we hear about too often, far too often. It seems like it's becoming more common. And I don't know if that's because the media is doing a better job of covering these types of stories or if it's because as more naturopaths are becoming licensed and more patients are seeking care from naturopaths that we are having an actual higher incidence of this type of harm. Can you explain to me the, the allure of naturopathic medicine um, and maybe even from your own perspective, what, what drew you to it? Because it seems to me like it's uh, an industry, if you will, that's built on this distrust of establishment. Yes, it's definitely an industry. And the allure, at least from my perspective, is emotional rather than rational. And naturopaths do a very good job of marketing their services and their services are typically marketed in a way that make the consumer feel like if they choose naturopathic services they are seeking care they're choosing a type of care that is healthier that is more natural in air quotes natural and is safer when in reality oftentimes the type of naturopathic services are either don't have enough evidence at all to assess the safety or the efficacy and are certainly not necessarily healthier by any means. And so what we're, what we're seeing, I think, is the advertisement and the marketing of, of this ideology, really. Uh, people are selling a belief system rather than a type of medicine. 
So talk about your own experience, because you, you studied, you trained, you went to university to become a naturopath. We're practicing as one. And, and so what kind of began then your, your turnaround and, and your own journey away from this? Yeah, so my journey into naturopathy, I think, is pretty is a pretty common and familiar story for most people where I had a bad experience with a medical doctor, essentially. I was diagnosed with an autoimmune disease called psoriasis as a teenager, and I went to the doctor looking for something other than pharmaceutical intervention. I really wanted to connect with my doctor. I really wanted to understand why I felt like my body was turning against me, and for for me, being a teenage girl, there was also a vanity aspect to this. You know, I wanted to look good and feel good as well. And uh, my my experience with my dermatologist let me down. And I walked out of there feeling like I didn't get what I needed emotionally out of this doctor's visit. And I started to sort of research natural medicine on my own. And I ended up treating myself Naturally, I guess you could say. I definitely used steroid medication and prescription medications during this time, but I also pursued a lot of uh, these classic naturopathic therapies like diet changes and exercise and uh, supplements, particularly cod liver oil. And then through college, I became more interested in this type of naturopathic care and eventually decided to become a naturopathic doctor myself. And I attended Bastyr University in Seattle, Washington, from 2011 to 2000, excuse me, 2007, graduated in 2011. And then I actually went on to do a, a one of the infrequent or less common naturopathic residencies in pediatric medicine, which was a one-year residency program at an outpatient clinic in Seattle. And I practiced there until I uh, moved to Arizona, where I started to see a different type of patient and started to have more experience with different types of naturopaths who in particular were seeing a lot of uh, really sick and cancer really sick cancer patients. It was really during this time in these three years out of schooling that I started to realize that naturopaths really are not the primary care doctors that they claim to be. We claim as naturopaths that we are being tr- uh, trained and educated just like medical doctors. In fact, we even say we take all of the same courses. We will pull out our syllabi and our curriculum to show the similarities side by side. And while it's true that you take a lot of the classes that have the same names as medical doctors like geriatrics or gastroenterology, the content of the courses in naturopathic school are far inferior to what medical doctors receive. And furthermore, and possibly more importantly, like in uh, the current situation in the media right now where this poor toddler died, is that the patient in clinical training that naturopaths receive is not enough by any means to qualify a naturopath to be a doctor in any capacity whatsoever. Okay. Um Wow, that's a fascinating uh, account, and I appreciate you sharing that. The, the, the thing that, like this story, I'll be all level with you. This story infuriates me, and I, I really think that we need to drop the sensitivity around this particular story and start talking yeah. about what really happened here. We have a couple of parents who yeah. let their child die in front of them, and in the process, they were giving them like some concoction of ground up ginger yeah. and horseradish root and maple syrup and stuff. And so when I when I read about what they were doing, I'm really curious, and I think you can answer this question better than anybody. 
is what is the foundation upon which the idea mm-hmm. that this could be a curative procedure is based? Uh, this is a hard question, actually, because there it's it's confusing. I think even for naturopaths to try to justify these types of treatments, and so naturopathy is really based on this idea of vitalism, where patients have this inner healing life force that we call the vis, and without medical intervention, naturopaths believe that more often than not, this vis can heal the patient. And this is certainly, patients can certainly get better on their own in cases where it is a self-limiting and benign situation. But the situation of this toddler where there were clear signs of acute toxemia is not a situation where we should try to let the body heal itself. And You're talking about the difference between a, a cold and, a, and viral meningitis. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it, it seems like it sounds like there was a recent autopsy report actually that indicated that this was even a bacterial meningitis. So it could have even been something that needed antibiotic treatment far earlier in the course of the disease than the parents had ever realized. So it sounds like it actually may have never been viral meningitis, but of of course I don't know that we'll ever really know that. Right. Well, and certainly what we've heard, I mean, the, the parents themselves seem to be true believers in, in so-called alternative yeah. medicine, and, and they were yeah. doing their own concoctions. But we, we did hear in court this week where the, the mom suspected meningitis, went to the mm-hmm. naturopath who, who also suspected meningitis, and they both decided, mm-hmm. let's just give this child echinacea. Mm-hmm. Uh, what, what does this that is, tell us is... about how naturopaths practice? <laughs> this is the danger of naturopathy. So when you have natural health fanatics wanting to pursue a certain type of care and are looking for something specific from a health practitioner, and when they go to a practitioner who they believe is trained just like a medical doctor to recognize dangerous red flag signs, they're going to listen to this provider's advice, of course, because if one, it fills their worldview of how they want to see things, but also they they believe that this practitioner has been licensed by the government to take care of their health needs and therefore is appropriately trained to do so. And it makes sense to me that the parents would believe something that this naturopath would say because the naturopath was presenting herself as a competent physician when in fact she was nothing of the sort. Well, and, and that gets to the dilemma that I think the government's face. And even here in Alberta, where we are, the, the government has, has painted the dilemma this, this way exactly. That, I mean, people are going to go to these natural paths regardless. So it's it's better to regulate it and keep it above board. Uh, they created the Alberta College of Naturopaths. But but the downside, mm-hmm. as a lot of critics see it, is, well, now you're just you're giving them further legitimacy. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The Alberta law for license. For, uh, that licensed naturopaths is, is quite interesting, too, because the law specifically wrote into uh, the legislation a list of things that I consider totally quacky that they have legally allowed naturopaths to do. For example, naturopaths are allowed to deliver ozone therapy to patients, and not just through the veins, but also rectally, which it just seems totally crazy and we know is toxic and unsafe and absolutely not proven to be effective for any medical condition whatsoever. So the law in Alberta is 
has even gone beyond just licensing naturopaths and has actually allowed naturopaths to do things that are outright dangerous and not proven to have any medical use whatsoever. You know, by the way, just further to that, because uh, this comes up a lot, and naturopaths say, you know, we're we're not homeopaths. Homeopathy is something mm-hmm. separate from us. But it seems mm-hmm. a lot of naturopaths em- embrace homeopathy and, and will, will suggest homeopathic remedies. Was that your experience? Yeah, 100%. I, I, I believe that the professions are different in that I don't um, – homeopaths are not naturopaths, but naturopaths are homeopaths. You can't take the homeopathy out of naturopathy. And as much as some of the, the newer, the younger generation naturopaths will argue this, it, it, it doesn't make any sense. As long as you have the naturopathic colleges that are defending and teaching and supporting the use of homeopathy in their practice, homeopathy is going to continue to be a mainstay of the naturopathic profession. And that is, that is seen in all seven accredited naturopathic universities across North America. So I used to be really into naturopathy or naturopathy, I guess, mm-hmm. when I was an, you know, I, I, I described myself as a profound allergy sufferer from time to time, mm-hmm. right? And no over-the-counter antihistamines were working for me. I had uh, this bizarre arthritic pain in my hands, and I, I tried everything. I tried all the painkillers, all the, the medical interventions, pharmaceutical interventions, and then I just said, well, I'll do anything that works. And I bought all these rip-off creams and ointments and sugar pills and all this yeah. stuff, right? And the reason I hate naturopathy so much is because... Um, I was conned. It was a con mm-hmm. game. Like somebody took advantage of me in, in pain mm-hmm. and took money away from me and promised me something that they couldn't possibly deliver. At least I didn't die, unlike this kid who died, who didn't actually get to make a choice in all this. So um, yeah. at some point, whose responsibility is it then to intervene and say, guys, this is a scam? Like, Is it the government's responsibility, or yeah. should we let people to continue to go down this path? I... I... I think, I believe, it's the government's responsibility because the naturopaths are never going to admit, of course, that their training is not what they are claiming it to be. They have a political agenda to become licensed across all of North America, and they're going to make any argument necessary in order to dupe lawmakers into believing that that's true. And they make up all sorts of information to support this argument and all sorts of education comparison charts. This is a biggie where they'd like to com- directly compare the naturopathic education and clinical training hours to the medical training. And this is really tricky to an untrained eye and just looking at these numbers superficially, it appears as though naturopaths do receive at least the same quantity of training. But when you start to actually uh, dig into what naturopaths are taught and to look into how uh, medical students are trained versus naturopathic students, you realize that the quality of the education is just, it's so poor in a naturopathic teaching clinic situation that you can't even, it's laughable to even try to compare it. And it makes perfect sense to me, actually, that it seems like this naturopath that treated this poor toddler who died didn't actually do any physical exam to make her diagnosis and treatment recommendations. Because oftentimes, the naturopathic teaching clinics do not receive patients who are ill enough for these students to practice any real type of medicine whatsoever. And so what they end up doing is uh, presenting patient vignettes where 
we make up patient cases and we present them to other students and we say, ah, okay, hypothetically, if a 19-month-old child were presenting with signs and symptoms of meningitis, what could we do naturopathically? What would need to be done from a medical perspective? And so it's actually quite in alignment with our training to just hear patient information delivered by the parents and to make up a treatment. And lawmakers need to be aware that the naturopaths have a political agenda and that they're going to manipulate the information in any way necessary to get what they want. A lot of important issues to confront here. People can read more, by the way, you write about these issues at naturopathicdiaries.com. Britt, uh, great insight here. Really appreciate making some time for us. Yes, my pleasure. Thank you. You're welcome. Uh, that's uh, Britt Marie Hermes, um, former naturopathic doctor, natural health expert, as Rob mentioned, uh, naturodiaries.com. Uh, yeah. All right. Well, I tell you, well, let's take a break here. We're going to come back. We can talk more about this case, more about some of these bigger issues, and uh, certainly your thoughts. Nine seven four eight two five five. A lot of texts coming in as well. Seven seventy seven seventy. This is Kincaid and Breckenridge on News Talk seven seventy. All right, it's Kincaid and Breckenridge on News Talk seven seventy. Got a text from someone who seems to be close to the case or close to the family, without getting into specifics, and says, "Hang on a second. The child did not see." a naturopath, that the uh, supplement was purchased from the naturopath's office. Now, what was heard in court this week? And and just then, so we're clear here. And this was uh, Lexi Vadiman, who was testifying at the trial, who fills prescriptions at the Lethbridge Naturopathic Medical Clinic. And indeed, she got a call from Colette Stefan, the mother of this boy, in March of 2012. The mother was looking for something to build up the baby's immune system. Uh, This Lexi Vadiman even asked... Uh, the mom, if she'd taken her son to a medical doctor. So good on this woman for asking the question. But it says here, the trial in Lethbridge has been told the couple first thought the boy had croup and treated him with natural remedies and homemade smoothies containing hot pepper, ginger root, horseradish, and onion. So that's how the the parents chose to treat him. Say that again, because I want to refer to that a few more times in the next 40 minutes. Homemade smoothies containing hot pepper, ginger root, horseradish, and onion. This is what they were giving this ill toddler. Uh, and then the court heard that Colette Stefan came in, came into the Lethbridge Naturopathic Medical Clinic within a day or two of that phone call and spoke briefly to naturopathic doctor Tracy Tannis, who asked Vadiman to make up a mixture or a, a tincture of echinacea. Uh, Vadiman said, I told her the tincture was pretty strong, and she said, that's okay. The baby is used to things like horseradish. I was quite surprised that a baby would be able to tolerate that. Uh, So there was a conversation at the clinic with this uh, naturopathic doctor. We were concerned about this kid eating horseradish. Not about the life-threatening illness that he might be developing, but just the digestion of horseradish. So let's be clear. So the mom phones the naturopathic clinic and explicitly says, my baby might have a form of meningitis. She goes into the clinic and speaks with the naturopathic doctor, and everyone here decides on echinacea. Uh, at uh, another point later on, March fifteenth, 2012, this was a recorded interview with the RCMP on that day, uh, that the boy got a lot worse, much worse. The couple put a mattress in the back of their vehicle to take him to the naturopath. So apparently they were going to go back. All of a sudden, his breathing wasn't normal. They called 911. He was uh, airlifted to uh, Children's Hospital here in Calgary and uh, died five days later. So they were to- going to take him back to the naturopath a second time. 
So just to, to establish here the connection to do this clinic, this naturopathic clinic in Lethbridge, that's what's we've heard at trial this week. He was airlifted to Children's Hospital? Yes, he was. First taken to a Lethbridge Hospital, then airlifted to Children's Hospital. So at Calgary. some point in time, they decided conventional medicine, maybe like the best options available to us in the 21st century, maybe we should invoke them. Only when things got extreme. Right. So that's the joke here, right, is that eventually, like on death's door, that's when science is okay. But up until that moment, it's like, oh, no, I mean, let's just, why go to a doctor when you can go get a a perfectly good remedy from a waiter at a steakhouse who will dress your baked potato, hot pepper, ginger, horseradish, and onion? Is there, there's probably a naturopath down the street who would tell you, oh, yeah, I think cheddar, sour cream, butter, and chives is really all you need for this kid. This is why it's infuriating to me, okay, because this kid didn't need to die. I mean, this could have been nipped in the bud, as it were. You can go take your kid to a pediatrician and say, uh, I don't know what's wrong with my baby. I haven't un- gone to medical school. Can you tell me what's wrong with my baby? And somebody in a white coat holding a clipboard with a stethoscope around their neck will say, yes, I can tell you what's wrong with your baby. This happens to lots of babies. We've developed medicine to cure your baby of this ailment. But there are text messages coming in that are frightening as hell to me, like this one. I think it'd be interesting if you interviewed a naturopath not slanted in the direction of your opinion. You do think that would be interesting if we got a witch doctor on the radio to say, yes, the garbage that we promote for profit is actually helpful. Why don't we just get an actual witch doctor and a translator, somebody who wears a mask and will do a dance around a child to cure them of what ails them? That's not somebody who's slanted in our opinion. Would you find that their opinion is valid? You know, here's the thing, and someone also texted in in response to what you were saying, you know, that, that Roger, if you were a parent, you'd have a different view. (laughs) Look, I mean, adults should be free to do whatever they want. If you want to to pray away your illness, if you want to uh, just invent your own medication, if you want to go see a psychic surgeon, as an adult, whatever. But... You know, there, there's an additional responsibility when it comes to kids. They don't get to make that choice. Uh, my own daughter, before she was even one, she would get ill periodically, would have these fever episodes where she would seem sick for a few days and then be fine for four or five weeks. And it just it kept happening with such regularity. And we were at a loss and you know, our doctor didn't know. And we went through a whole bunch of different uh, specialists at Children's Hospital. And I mean, everyone was concerned and everyone was determined to try to figure out what's going on but nobody quite could and you know you start to get desperate as a parent and and we went through that same thing and we wondered whether it's somehow something allergy related and and that journey took us to one of these alternative health people and it was just not helpful at all but i can understand where that comes from now eventually it was conventional medicine that figured out what was going on something called periodic fever syndrome which is something i'd never heard of and you know what? We we had her tonsils removed for that reason. And that's what, what finally fixed it. She didn't get her tonsils until she was uh, four and a half years old. So we went through years of, of this uncertainty and not knowing what's going on, and, and, and it's frightening. And I can understand why parents w- will get frustrated because the medical system's not giving you answers. But the answer is not to go to something that's not medical at all, not scientific-based, and, and that's that's the issue here. Yeah, so there's a lot of problems here. One, it's our unwillingness to use the best information that we have available. And I, I, I talked about this this morning on the morning news, and, and it's stunning to me that there are those of us in this advanced Western society where we have done so much for the world because we explore things using scientific methods. 
in, in, in many, many different aspects of life. Yet there are some of us who would rather go back to Bronze Age theories. Oh, yeah, I think that just if you put a radish under the kid's armpit, that's going to make him all better. Like stupid stuff like this, taping seeds to our ears, et cetera, et cetera. And it's, it's, it's frightening. We're, we're going to do this. We're going to stand down now the news to 1030. You've heard from us on this matter. Your phone calls uh, afterwards, 974-8255. What should be done here? Because there is, I got to say, Rob, there's an obligation on the government here. You know, that, that these people are allowed to practice and are allowed to, to, to keep this illusion up and, and exist in a, in a, in a world where parents make these choices to the detriment of a kid like Ezekiel. It's, it's terrifying that the government can't shut these places down for the harm they cause. All right, 974-8255. We're going to get to your phone calls on the other side of the, the news break here. It's Kincaid and Breckenridge on News Talk 770. It's Kincaid and Breckenridge on News Talk 770. Talking about this uh, trial underway this week and, and the tragic death of this uh, toddler in, in southern Alberta. The parents charged with uh, failing to provide the necessities of life. Uh, some people making the argument, and, and you know, this did come up in a much different case regarding the, the tragedy at, at COP recently, that the, the punishment is the tragedy. Uh, those kids saw their friends die. They've been punished enough. These parents had to watch their child die. That's punishment enough. The big difference here, obviously, is the question of who's responsible. Uh, in the case of the tragedy at COP and the accident on the, the bobsled track, you cannot make the argument that the kids who survived were responsible for the deaths of those two brothers. In this case here, the allegation is very specific. Failing to provide the necessities of life is about assigning responsibility and assigning that culpability. Now, there's been no finding yet, obviously, at this point. Uh, but I think people can can look at this case and the facts of the case and, you know, they, they can judge for themselves whether they think the parents acted as parents ought to in this kind of a situation. It'll be up to a court to decide whether there's criminal culpability here. But that that's the issue. And that's the big difference. All right. 974-8255. This is going to be a terrifying half hour of radio. Someone has texted to say um, native people lived in this country for centuries without medical doctors. The, sure, true, great, good fact. What was the infant mortality rate like at the time? And were those same First Nations people um, j- ignoring the good information that they had? No, that's not. that doesn't resemble an argument here. These parents had an option that would have saved the life of this kid, and they refused to take it. 974-8255. Let's start with Eric. Hi, Eric. Go ahead. Hey, guys. Thanks. You know what? You're absolutely right. And this story just disgusts me and horrifies me. And, um, you know, when we look at this whole naturopathic and homeopathic movement, you know, it was reminded um, just the other day when I had to get some eardrops for my son, went into the pharmacy, a legitimate pharmacy, and what did I see? I saw uh, a bunch of ear medications right there. I took the one that looked uh, the, the best, only to turn it around and read that it was absolute garbage, naturopathic stuff with nothing in it. And I nearly bought it. Right. Yeah. And, and I, I, yeah. yeah why, I how, how are these things sold in a pharmacy? Why are they given a DIN number? You remember a couple of years ago, the government started giving DIN numbers, and that provided even more legitimacy to this crap? Mm-hmm. No, that's true. We got a, t- a tweet earlier this morning, Rob, from somebody who was at a shopper's drug mart and uh, right. asked for cold medicine, and the, the pharmacist recommended a homeopathic remedy. They should be fired. Right. Well, here's the thing. Yeah. Remember, you know, you used to be able to buy cigarettes in pharmacies, right? And, and pharmacies said, no, you know, we're, we're not going to sell cigarettes anymore because we're in the business of, of health. 
Right. So, look, I would be of the opinion that, uh, you know, stores can sell whatever they want to sell. It's a legal product. But if pharmacies are going to hold themselves up and say we need to, to be held to a higher standard, uh, so we, we're not going to allow cigarettes to be sold on the premises, then then I think that standard needs to be applied elsewhere. And so, yeah, I agree with that. I think it's it's really irresponsible for pharmacies to hold them up and say, you know what, you can come here and, and trust us in, in making those those decisions uh, regarding your health and then to sell stuff like that. And, you know, even even further to that, if you're going to sell it, don't put a homeopathic option right next to a legitimate um, uh, pharmaceutical right. put them off in a Put them off in no, a, their own separate the section. Sure, put, sure. Put, them, put, them, put them in an no, aisle I mean, with a I sign that says, these are garbage, but you'll it's feel, garbage, sure. you'll feel superior. Pills. Thanks yeah. for the call, Eric. Thank really you. appreciate that. The placebo section. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, let's just power through. There's so many people phoning in, so we'll, we'll try to get to as many calls as we can. Hi, Tim. How are you? Hey, good morning, guys, and thanks for taking my call. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're on a great topic here, but I'm going to throw a little different curve in there. I think that the shortcoming is the unwillingness and inability of the the uh, naturopathic world and the Western medicine established world to work together. Um, I think the naturopath, I mean, I, none of us really know all the details here, but I would suggest that maybe the the naturopath in this case failed in telling the parents, you know, suggesting to them that this needs some serious attention real quick and suggesting that they go to a medical doctor. Right. But that's, 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 yeah, yeah. The, the, the issue here is that it, the, the parent said meningitis. The naturopath said echinacea. So yeah. this becomes pretty yeah. simple in my view. Is there evidence to suggest that echinacea can treat meningitis? Either there is or there isn't. So the, the, all these terms about traditional medicine and natural natural medicine, we should throw that out the window. Either something works or it doesn't. Either something is medicine or it isn't. If echinacea yeah. can treat meningitis, give people echinacea. If it doesn't, Anybody, naturopathic doctor, regular doctor, nobody has any business prescribing that for meningitis. And there's a way that we can figure that out. It's pretty and, cut and dry to me. Listen, I, I would agree with you. Like, and that's why I say I think maybe there was sailing on the naturopath's part. Um, but I want to throw two things out. Okay. One, uh, you know, this fellow just phoned in about uh, homeopathic type things uh, in the drugstore, et cetera, in the pharmacy. Um, my experience with the natural cold... Now, I, I think he talked about an ear infection, which is going to be is different, um, yet there's some validity to what I'm going to say. I find that treating for a nat- for a, a, just the, the run-of-the-mill average cold is an echinacea and something called uh, airborne. Okay, I want to answer this. Here. Tim, I was so, expecting a phone call like this, and I got one in the hopper for this, okay? And then we're going to leave it because we want to move on to some other okay, phone calls. I, but but, here, but me... no, no, here's, here's where you're going with this, okay? Look, if I fall down on the ground and I skin my elbow and I rub some dirt in it, my skinned elbow is going to get better. Not because I rub dirt in it, but because skinned elbows, they heal on their own. I might actually harm myself by rubbing dirt in it, but that's beside this point. If I step on a landmine and I, and I blow off my legs and I rub some dirt in it, I might bleed to death. And the reason for that is because one of those conditions is very fatal. The other one is not. So when we're talking about the difference between a cold, which is something that you'll get over if you don't treat it, versus meningitis, which is not something you're necessarily going to get over untreated, we can't, we can't pussyfoot around the science here. We know now that some things are lethal and require certain interventions. 
Right. Look, I mean, echinacea is popular, and people take echinacea, you know, for colds and sore throats and that sort of thing. And, you know, again, this is something we can study, and this is something that that has been studied extensively. There's not a lot of great evidence suggesting that echinacea is of much use, but there's some indicating that that potentially, in terms maybe of frequency of cold or duration of cold, maybe it can have some some minor or modest benefit. And how do we know that? How do we know anything about what works and what doesn't? There's got to be a way that we can look at something and determine whether it works. And that's what bothers me so much about people that say, blah, traditional medicine. I trust homeopathy. Well, why? What are you basing that on? Again, if something is either medicine or it's not, if homeopathy can be shown to work, then great, give it to everybody. If it doesn't, then throw it out. There, there, there can be no double standard. All these distinctions about, well, that kind of medicine and that kind of medicine. No, there's either medicine or non-medicine. Something's either medicine or it isn't. It's tragic what happened to that child. This is a text message. It's tragic that what happened to that child, but don't throw natural remedies out the window because they do work. Ask the Chinese. I think maybe then we should have given this kid some ground-up rhino horn because if it didn't help his meningitis, at least it would have made him more virile. Like, stop it. <laughs> this is scary stuff. That's why I said this could be a terrifying half hour. Hi, Justin. Thanks for the call. Hi there. Um, I am not a homeopath by any stretch of the means, but what I don't trust is giving full-fledged faith in the government to administer our our health and on what is uh, what's going to save us and what's not. Who gets you know, that? Who gets that trust? Then who do we put I that trust in? As an individual, and that's the the society. We You're going to run clinical I, trials yourself? No, I, well, give I'm me a not. Break. I want to look at clinical trials and deem their uh, their validity on my own opinions. I mean, we look at children that are having seizures, and there's doctors that are reluctant to prescribe medical marijuana, which has been proven to uh, to alleviate the pain. You say, wait, 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 you say yeah, proven. <laughs> Again, you, you say you just want to have it both ways. You want to reject evidence and say, but I got evidence no, for no, this no. thing. I want Again, something can be proven or disproven. No, but you said proven. You said proven. What does that mean? You said medical marijuana has been proven. What does that mean? How do we know that? I'm, not, I'm using that as an example. No, but, yeah, okay. but what, what do you mean when you say it? I, I mean that there's been studies. That exactly. So there have been cold. studies. Exactly. How about that? And me as an individual should be able to read these studies, which I have access to, and I should be able to choose okay. what medication now, Justin, that you're, you're I would right. like to actually, use on myself. Justin, I agree. And I, mean, I actually agree with you. If we go down the road where certain people that use certain medications, which I do not agree with, okay. I ground up rhino horn, of course not. <laughs> but I mean, the choice should be there. Justin, parents, you've, made, you've made your point, and the only reason I cut you off is because there are so many people phoning in. But, but I just want to comment on something on the heels of what you've said and, and Rob's challenge to you. Now, I think you're right. I think we have doctors in a situation in this country where they won't prescribe marijuana in large part because it's illegal and they are uncertain of the effectiveness. And and, and there's a whole lot that like that's a real. No, hang on, Justin, Justin, hang on. Hang on a second, because I'm getting to a point that you've raised here. So I'm willing to see with you that that doctors maybe in some cases should give individuals whatever information proven or not and say, look, if you want to try this, you can try this. Okay, but under no circumstances should somebody be making 
unproven decisions to the detriment of a child who can't answer, who can't make we the decision themselves. in the 1920s, and that was And the reason we don't do that anymore is because it was a bad idea. You can't equate stuff that we did a hundred years ago with today's practices. The and how did we know how to here. stop doing that? How did we know that that which we once did is now bad? How did we know that we shouldn't do that anymore? We shouldn't prescribe that anymore. It's called evidence-based medicine. Evidence-based medicine. If we're going to use an, an adjective in front of the word medicine, let's go with that one. Because if something works, we call that medicine. If something doesn't, we can call it garbage or we can call it something else. So I, 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 the point he made about marijuana, there, there is compelling evidence that, that for certain conditions, marijuana can be effective. So let's follow the evidence. It's just so ironic that that, that caller says, you know, wants to throw out the evidence, but when it comes to something he likes, he's all about the evidence, all about the studies. But that's how we figure this stuff out. Uh, we have to take a commercial break. We're going to get to more of your phone calls here. Um, this is Kincaid and Breckenridge. This is News Talk 770. Well, a proof is a proof. What kind of a proof? It's a proof. A proof is a proof. And when you have a good proof, it's because it's proven. There you go. Just asked uh, Dr. Kretchen. <laughs> Um, I appreciate the levity. Thanks very much. I, I'm serious, Rob. This is a this this topic infuriates me. Um, because if this kid could talk and make a choice, like doctors are pretty upfront, right? Have you ever been given uh, medicine that's uh, uh, we get like the sample pack from a doctor, and you say, "Will this make the pain in my knee go away?" Do they say something like, "Yes, I guarantee it," or do they say? Well, you know, it's it's got some good trials behind it, and, and I've read the research, so I don't have any problem giving this to you. I think it might work. Because I've never, ever had someone in a white coat, a physician, say to me, I guarantee you, I would wager everything I've ever made on this medicine doing what you want it to do. I've never had that happen. Well, yeah, and you know what? And, and, you know, going back to our own experience, right, where our, our daughter's dealing with something weird and rare, periodic fever syndrome, never heard of that. And, uh, you know, we, we saw the, the surgeon who was going to take her tonsils out, and he said, look, I'll be upfront with you. Uh, there's only been three other kids that I've been confronted with who, who've been dealing with this. I took the tonsils out in, in three of them, and for two of them it worked, and the other didn't. So you should know that going in. So he was upfront about his own experience and the evidence. The evidence indicates that there's a link here, that that could be uh, useful, but there's no guarantee, right? Three out of four. So now they're, they're that would three put, out of four. That yeah. would put you in every sports hall of fame if you had a success rate of 75%. Uh, Linda, hi there. How are you? Hi, I'm fine, thank you. Uh, first, I want to apologize if this has already been covered. I turned the news on hmm. uh, at 10 and, and heard the word witchcraft, and I thought, oh, my gosh, I have to call in. <laughs> I'm glad you did. <laughs> um, I guess what concerns me is maybe a lack of, of good hard evidence as to what naturopathic medicine is. Now, some people call themselves naturopaths, but there are also naturopathic doctors. And a naturopathic doctor typically takes a university degree, um, usually in science. Right. Our guest explained what, what that process involves. Oh, I'm sorry. And oh, okay. I didn't hear that. And then, yeah. and then another four years of naturopathic medicine, which includes most of the same courses as traditional medicine. Right, which she, 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 well, she went said into great detail like, and said that they have courses really that, that have the same names, but they don't even come close to examining the same matters. Correct. But um, I think it's a little unfair to use terms like witchcraft and... I don't. Uh, 
I, I think I, I think it's entirely fair to use terms that equate the effectiveness of what naturopaths do with some of the with some of the stuff that we know to be obviously true. What they do is obviously true as well. Um, the doctor I'm familiar with and work with has patients come in and they're just tired of not feeling well. What does that mean, though? Well, I don't, I don't they feel don't well. know what that means, and that's why they come to her because they've gone through the traditional medicine okay. route. This is all I argue, though, Linda, and I know what you're saying. And I've this is all I argue. If Rob came to me one morning and said, "Roger, I don't feel well, and I know that you've read some books on naturopathy," I could literally do anything to Rob. I could literally do anything to Rob, provided I make him feel like I've done something to him that's going to make him feel better. I can change his frame of mind. And this is actually something that we've been studied. It's called influence or suggestibility, suggestivity. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So I could, I could tell you, I could say, look, if you don't feel well, here, carry this apple around in your purse. You're going to feel better. And as long as you believe you feel better, well, I've done my effect. job. That's a placebo effect. But there's a problem here where Rob says, I have lost a limb to a construction tool. Um, can you do something about it? And I give him an apple to carry around in his purse? No, no, no. It's not going to work. Okay. Nice purse, well, by the way. Of course not. And no decent naturopathic doctor would do that. And I question about... Um, to whom would they send that the, person, though? They would send that person to a traditional doctor. To a surgeon, a med somebody or, who could fix who them. who would then send them to the appropriate surgeon or specialist. Which Absolutely. is where it always ends. That's where this yep. case ended. It ended no, in an ambulance on the end. way to a hospital. It doesn't always end that way, depending upon what the person, you know, if you move the limb, of course. Depending on whether or not their malady was legitimate. Well, yes. Yeah. But traditional medicine and naturopathic doctors can work very well together. And the, in the case that I'm talking about, this happens why, why is there a distinction? That's what I keep coming back exactly. to. Nobody can Either something works or it doesn't. Either something is medicine or it isn't. And, right? and that remark you made, if, it's, if it works, it's medicine. If it doesn't, it's not. And that's but 100% true. But naturopathic medicine can work as well, so therefore it is also medicine. Well, then it, it is. is. Then, the, then the distinction is meaningless. We don't need to put a label on it. I think people call themselves naturopath because they're operating outside the bounds of that evidence. Uh, let me give you just a quick example here. And there are a couple of major studies within the last 10 years on echinacea. 2006, a uh, review of all of the evidence suggested that there's some evidence that some preparations of, of echinacea might be effective for the early treatment of colds in adults, but the results are not fully consistent. There was another big study in 2008 that said they found no difference in the incidence of cold symptoms in 90 volunteers taking echinacea versus placebo. This is how we figure out whether echinacea does anything. So who the hell got it in their head that, well, we're just going to go 100 steps further and start using this for meningitis, right? So that's the issue here. So, well, yeah, but echinacea is natural. It's a naturopathic medicine. No, it's a substance that you're claiming does something, and we've got a manner in which we can figure that out. And even when it comes to colds, the evidence is pretty lousy for echinacea. And there's a way that we can figure that out. Um, hi, Bob. You're a, a medical doctor, are you? I am. Okay. Oh, what, can we ask you what discipline? Uh, yeah, I was trained as an ER doctor. Okay. Thanks for your phone call. Okay. When I spent a good number of years as an ER doc, and uh, we saw you know a number of cases of viral meningitis. Now, here's here's the trick. Before somebody decides to have a lynch mob together and lend, and hang these parents from the nearest lampstand, that there needs to be right. Well, it could have been bacterial too. It, it, from well, what we understand, yeah, we don't know that. Just just hold the line here. So, so it appears that the child developed a viral meningitis. Now, there are about 200 viruses that come through the community every winter causing respiratory and flu-like symptoms. Mm -hmm. 
any of them can cause a viral meningitis, and that's by far the most common meningitis that we encounter. The viral meningitis uh, species are, are less than that and are generally antibiotic sensitive. Now here's the trick. For a viral meningitis, which this child appeared to contract, there is no specific treatment. The treatment is supportive, nursing care, uh, try to control the fever, make sure the child's well hydrated. Yeah. You can try some of the antiviral medications, most of which are not very successful, and you basically wait it out. So to suggest that this child would have lived had been taken to the hospital, as opposed to not living, being nursed at home, is, is a false conclusion. So I think everybody needs to step back, take a breath, and wait for more of the facts to come out in this case rather than what the media is rabble-rousing about. Well, the, oh, wait, facts wait are the facts in the trial, and we're reporting on what's coming out in the trial. Mm-hmm. But even to that point, though, Bob, um, are you suggesting that parents shouldn't be criticized for not seeking the best available medical advice that we have no, today? No, I'm not suggesting that at all. Uh, the best available medical advice... Uh, what I'm suggesting is mightn't have made any difference at all, and and this child could just as easily have died in the hospital ward as he did at right. home. Right, and no one is so, I, so, I, no so one ever so, criticizes. So, so, no, you so, wait so, a minute. So, Nobody so, ever so, criticizes parents who bring their kid to the children's hospital, and then a tragedy like this occurs. Well, I'm criticizing them for giving them a concoction of hot peppers, ginger, horseradish, and onion, and when the situation didn't improve, they went to a tincture of echinacea. Mm-hmm. That's not. That's not responsible. That's not taking the best information that we have available to us right. today. The medical system only got involved when, when the child was having difficulty breathing and had to be airlifted to, to Calgary. That's when the hospital finally was able to intervene. And, that's right. Okay. And so that, that's the issue. But no, okay. So, so what I'm telling you is that, that viral meningitis, there is no particular treatment for it. Okay. And, and, and it's just that simple. Well, you're now, the, you're now, the no, doctor. No, that, and that's and we'll fair say, enough, yeah. right? And how many deaths have we seen this year from, from influenza, right? And viruses can, can take a tragic turn. And you know, you're right. It's not as though you walk into the hospital. I have, say, I have viral meningitis, and they say, here, take this, and boom, you're cured. Yeah, yeah it doesn't work that way. Bob, I uh, really appreciate the, the uh, information on that matter and your phone call and your expertise uh, lending it to this conversation. Um, we're sorry to end it there, but we have to go to the news to 11 o'clock now. It's Kincaid and Breckenridge. This is News Talk 770.